0: When I think of the past couple years, I recognize that um, there's been so many distractions that have kept many of us from connecting with God. I tried to express that in the email to our leaders here at the church. I tried to express that through even uh, reading some of that email last week. But I recognize that there's been so many distractions. How many of you guys feel like you've been distracted over the past couple years? That sometimes it's hard to focus. That that you have this intention to get away and read your Bible and be focused on praying, to be focused on understanding the Scripture, and then your phone goes off, or someone uh, you see an article on Facebook, or someone calls you, and then twenty minutes later you're distracted. A half an hour, half an hour later, playing Candy Crush or Words with friends. You're like, I thought I was supposed to be praying. Or take away some of those distractions. Maybe we've been so distracted, I'm not going to be able to see you guys anymore, but um, I'm tired of playing with them. So, distractions, right? <laughs> and now rabbit trails. That's what happens. See, we're, we... We try to spend these moments with God, but then we see an article on Facebook or, or we hear on the radio about lockdowns and masks and vaccines. And no matter what side you stand on with lockdowns, mandates, vaccines, it can become distracting to you because the world is changing. See, two years ago, you didn't wake up and think that this is where we would be. So you get distracted because your life is changing and you can't do anything about it. So you get frustrated and you get fearful and then, and then you just start maybe believing you know, certain news sources or you don't believe news sources. There's a lot of division going on right now. So you get hyper about it. And, 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 and those who, who don't want... The jab, the shot, don't believe in it. They're like, I'm not going to be able to work. And then those who believe in the shot or believe in the jab, whatever, you're like, why won't the other people get it? That's all it is. So then, no matter what side you're on, there's still Christians who got the shot and didn't get the shot. And both of them are still frustrated and worried about the future because life is changing so quickly. So then you go home and you're just so bombarded by the world and changes and job or no job or vaccine or no vaccine. Or am I going to get sick or am I not going to get sick? On top of inflation and gas prices and just life, sickness and death. And when all these things Hit us how do we respond and what I've recognized throughout the past couple of years is I've asked people this I hear your worry I hear your fear I understand some of what you're going through but what I'm recognizing is I do not believe that you've connected to the heart of God over this matter see a lot of people will give me facts I'll give myself facts. A lot of people give me um, scenarios. But I haven't heard a lot of people over the past couple years tell me what the heart of God has said to them about the pandemic. What has the heart of God said to you about the pandemic? What has the heart of God said to you about your job? What has the heart of God said to you about the things that you're going through? See what happens is is within our nature what we want to do is we want to accomplish something so quickly so that we can check it off so that we can move on. Because until we check something off, it still lingers over our head, right? Like today I got some laundry to do. And it's lingering over my head. First world problem, right? <clears throat> Gotta sweep the floor. Got to clean the fish tank. Got to make sure that the snowblower's working. Lingering, 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 lingering. All these things are lingering over our heads, so it's easy just to say, okay, snowblower, check, fish tank, check. Get these things done so that we can check them off. Instead of saying, you know what, the first thing that I need to do is connect with the heart of God. See, how much different would the world look today is, or how much different would the world look today if two years ago the church and individuals would prioritize each day connecting with the heart of God over that matter? And connecting with the heart of God does not mean that I simply blab my lips to him, God fixed the pandemic so that I can have my life back. See, usually what we're trying to do is actually tell God to fix something so that we can keep our life. But the reality of what Scripture tells us is those who are willing to lose their life for the sake of Christ will find it. But those who want to keep their life will lose it. And what I've seen a bunch of Christians and the world do over the past couple years is they're fighting by flesh to keep their life. Because the fact of the matter is, I uh, I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. But there's so much fear in the millennials and under. um, I I mean, I think generally everyone, but what's going to happen with our kids and their grandkids? What's going to happen with um, Social Security and 401Ks, the market? A LOT OF PEOPLE SAY THAT um, WE MIGHT BE A SOCIALIST COUNTRY IN THE NEXT FIVE YEARS, TEN YEARS, OR A COMMUNIST COUNTRY IN THE NEXT FIVE TO TEN YEARS. THERE'S ALL THESE THINGS THAT WE'RE BOMBARDED WITH. SO THEN WE TALK ABOUT THEM WITH PEOPLE, We, 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 WE HAVE THESE CONVERSATIONS ABOUT POLITICS AND WHERE THE WORLD'S HEADED. And we have 45-minute conversations or 25-minute conversations, and we become so educated on the truth and the conspiracies of what's going on in the world, and then what happens is right before we go to bed, or maybe when we wake up in the morning out of obligation, we say, God, I need your help. Help me. Or we fall asleep praying, right? But that's not a connection. See, If we treated our spouses the way that maybe we've, or how about this, if we've connected with our spouses the way that we've connected with God over the past couple years, then we probably don't have a good relationship with our spouse. It's important for Macy and I to connect with one another throughout the week. And uh, through me being sick, and my brain just wanting to sleep and everything, Um, we haven't done a great job connecting over the past month. Now, we're not in any crazy cycle, we love each other, it's just kind of just been like distant because I've been distant, right? I Wanted to sleep, Um, and then once I got my appetite back, all the weight that I lost, I wanted to make sure that I gained it all back. So, um, because you don't know. My point in sharing all of that is to say, I feel like we've wasted so much time discussing and worrying about tomorrow that we haven't done a good job of doing what should be our priority connecting with the Father. See, here in a couple weeks, we'll get to Matthew 7. Um, It says, Many people will come to me on that day and say, Father, Father, did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not deliver demons? And Jesus says, plainly, I I tell you, I never knew you. I never knew you. See, um, I was able to go to um, Ohio State versus the Team Up North wrestling event on Friday. And when I went there, um, Austin Reese, much younger than me, he was a state champion here at Mechanicsburg, he saw me and he came up. And he said, hey, Joey, how are you? Or he didn't even say my name. He's like, hey, because I didn't even remember his name at that point. And he didn't remember my name at that point. But we were familiar enough, because everyone from Mechanicsburg knows each other, right? We were familiar enough to talk to one another, see each other. But we didn't know each other. There was, there were, there was no knowing at all. I, I couldn't tell you if he had a girlfriend. I couldn't tell you where he went to school. I couldn't tell you how old he is, where he lives, nothing about him. But Jonathan Pack, I know. I could uh, tell you what Jonathan's voice sounded like. Um, I could tell you where Jonathan lives. I could tell you how many kids Jonathan has. I could tell you that Jonathan's married. See, there was this knowing. There, there's, there, there's a connection. The most important thing that you and I are to do is not be able to tell people what's going on in the world, the most important thing that you and I are supposed to do is connect with the heart of God. Amen? So to try to summarize all of that, I feel like we've been so distracted, and it's been so much easier to learn about what's going on in the world that we haven't set aside private time to connect with the heart of the Father. So I rhetorically ask you right now, rhetorically, what has God been telling you about the pandemic over the past two years? What's one thing that he's spoken to you? When have you created this space in your life to say, I'm not worried about the laundry, I'm not worried about the pandemic, I'm not worried about my job, I'm not worried about my future, what I'm worried about is connecting to my father. That's our priority. That's what we were created for. Jesus wants to know us. Yet, we've been so fearful of losing our freedoms. Okay, if you lose every freedom that you ever had, what does that change about your relationship with Jesus? Because what I really believe is every. We're, in, we're always in the right place when that place is a, praise, a place of praise. So if you go to jail, guess what? That place can become a place of praise. If you're sick at home, guess what? That place can become a place of praise. If you're at church, that place can become a place of praise. So even if your worst fear comes to pass... That place can become a place of praise if we're connected to the heart of the Father. So if we take a moment and think, when was the last time you were able to be in the presence of God, connecting with Him, deeply connecting with Him, just you and Him with no distractions, with no other place that you had to be, with no other plans on your mind, with no time limit that you've set. Because what I've realized, when I want to be in the presence of God and I set a time limit, I'm only racing to get to that time limit. Anyone ever been there? Like, I got 15 minutes. God, I'm going to give you 15 minutes. So then I just rush to get through that 15 minutes. But rather, when we go to the presence of God and we just say, I'm going to be here until you get me up, you just want to spend time with him. When is the last time with no time frame? Just you and him that you've spent time with him. See, hopefully it's something that we can say we, we do every day. It's important that Macy and I have a connection with one another each day. And if it's important for Macy and I, how much more important Is it for me to be connected in a private place as a priority to my Father in heaven? Now, to some of you, you might think that that's a little foreign. What do you mean getting away, having no time frame, timetable to be in the presence of God? Because that type of moment seems really personal, really intimate. And how can such A person like me have such a personal moment with such a sovereign God. As we get into today's scripture, Jesus is going to share with us, prayer is not to be a religious act that makes us holy. Rather, prayer is a connection to the heart of our Father. God is not asking us to pray just to look religious or act religious. God's asking us to pray because he wants to spend time with us. Amen? I usually talk to my dad every day. We like to talk to one another because uh, we connect. We want to connect. We want to know each other. We care about each other. Why is it that Uh, over the past two years, um, some days, the way that I connect with God, if it, uh, yeah, if, if some days I connected with my earthly father, the way that I connected with my heavenly father, it might look like this. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Talk to you later. Click. I'm so worried about this or I'm so worried about that. Spending time So Jesus here today wants to address the heart of the one praying. The main goal of prayer should always be to connect to the heart of the Father. When I think about prayer, what are we to do? In this moment of prayer, I'm to connect to the heart of the Father. Not just a blab, a list. So here we are, verse 5, Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is when you pray, pray to be heard by the Father and not seen by man. Because prayers that cause us to desire to be seen by man are actually not prayers. They are ritualistic and they have no heavenly value. And the reward has already been given, right? If you want to be seen, to appear holy or look righteous, it's already uh, been given to you. So if all you want to do is be seen praying, you've received your reward, okay? Some people think you're religious. But Jesus says, instead of praying to be seen, um, here's what we are to do. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, And pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows your need before you ask, or your Father knows what you need before you ask. What Jesus is warning those on the mount that day of is this, is prayer is not a show. On the contrary, prayer is about a relationship. Prayer is about getting away and spending time with the one that you love. So I just want to work through some of these statements here. When you pray, What what does that say? So, as a believer, you will pray. There's an assumption, as even Pastor Stu shared a couple weeks ago. There is an assumption that you will pray. So, number first, or number first. Oh my goodness! It's been a month. I haven't talked in a month. So, so number first, we must be praying. We must be connecting to the heart of God. Believers will find a way to pray and connect to him regularly. That's something that we have to do. And then he says, go into your room. So what does that mean? We have to be intentional about praying. Going into a room, this is an invitation to spend time with God alone. To get away from things. See, in the original language, the word room is similar to storeroom. And in storerooms, that was where treasures were kept. So what's unique is when we go to this private place and we shut the door and we're not worried about the laundry or COVID or our neighbor, or how sick I am, when we walk into this storeroom and we shut the door and we spend time with Christ, there's an abundance of reward there. There's there's gifts and there's um, things that God wants to give us in those moments. It's a place of abundance. So good things are available when we meet Christ privately. He then says, close the door. So get rid of all distractions and create a private moment. We are to be focused in that moment. Just you and just him. I think that should be a practice that within the family, within the family unit that, that uh, we focus on, that we set the example of. See, if we don't teach our kids and if we don't keep our spouses accountable of connecting to the heart of God privately, then I'm not sure that we're training them right. Now, we also need to corporately and as a family connect to the heart of God as well, right? But am I doing... Am I doing a good job as the spiritual head of the house if I don't encourage Macy each day to go find a space with God? And then when Macy sees me scrolling, looking at sports all day, every day, if she doesn't come in and say, are you gonna connect with God's heart today? Or are you just gonna keep on looking at Ohio State sports? If she doesn't say stuff like that, then she might not be doing her job within the accountability of our marriage as well. Because our marriage is not to make us happy, our marriage is to help us know the heart of God more. Amen? To bring God glory. So are we having the close the door moments with Him, where it's just us and Him, intentional time? He then says this, pray to your Father, Your father, a connection, a family member. See, what's unique about this is when he says pray to your father, what we recognize is he isn't just a sovereign king in heaven that's untouchable. He is a sovereign king in heaven, but he's not untouchable. He is also our Father who deeply cares about every one of our needs. And we are His children. The creator of all this wants to connect with us. Our Father in heaven wants to connect with you and I. So He says, don't just see me as this distant God, but be willing to connect with me as your Father. And then he says, don't babble. Do we have any babblers in here when it comes to prayer? There's some times when I just babble. And when I think of my babbling, most of my babbling comes when I feel like I don't have time for prayer, but I have a guilty conscience that I have to. Right? Can anyone else relate, or am I just the only one messed up today? You're just like, man, I, I, I don't have time to get away. I don't want to get away, but I know I need to pray. And then you find yourself thinking about food or something. You're like, God, I pray for Macy. And then you're thinking about, like, dinner. God, just, I pray for Macy. God, I pray for Macy. And it's like, I haven't said anything except babbling words of, I just want to pray for Macy. There's other babbling words where you just try to look holier than you really are. But when we pray, we are to grow closer to God, not just have babbling words. See, what pagans would do is pagans felt like if uh, they would, I guess, babble a certain word enough or a certain prayer enough, if they would say a prayer enough that their God, lowercase g, would then have to answer it. So Jesus was addressing pagans here as well. But they felt like if they... Babel did enough. He answers. See, Jesus doesn't work that way. God wants us to present our prayer to him and just not fire things from the hip. Just not babble things. Be intentional about the things that we say to the heart of God. See, engage God through our words and not just turn off our brain and turn on autopilot. Prayer is an invitation of connection. He then says, This God knows what you need. You realize that? God knows everything that we need, so we're not surprising him by anything that's going on in this world. And may I say this Jesus is still on his throne today, in spite of everything that's going on. Amen? He's not surprised, he's not worried. He's not anxious. He's not fearful. Jesus knew it was coming. So what that means is God knows what we need. We are not enlightening God when we pray. We are trying to connect to his heart. We are trying to line our ways with his ways. And we are appealing appealing to him because we are nothing. We recognize that we need him. He knows what we need, or He knows what we need. God knows what you need today. And I had a conversation Friday at the wrestling event where, um, yeah, essentially it was just God knows what we need, and, and God's never answered, never not answered a prayer that He's told me not to pray, or that He's told me to pray. Sorry. God, I I told this person, God's never not answered a prayer that he's told me to pray, right? What often happens is I don't see my prayers answered. Does that make sense? God, I want some random money so that I can be debt-free, so that I can pay off my house, and then surely I'll give all my income to help people then. But right now I can't give uh, all my money to help people because I still have to pay for a house. He hasn't answered that prayer. God, I pray that we would have beachfront ocean here in Ohio and that it would be bright until 10 p.m. every night and uh, never go below 65 degrees. He hasn't answered that prayer either but God has never not answered a prayer that he's told me to pray. So he knows what we need. It's us connecting with him to align our hearts with the things that he says that we need. Amen? Because maybe he says, Joey, you need to be sick for a month. You need to be on the bed for a month just to slow down, to connect with me as you sleep connect with me as you wake so in the coming verses Jesus gives us an outline of how to pray many if not all of you are familiar with what's called the Lord's Prayer um, and what I want to say is this is there's a lot of irony in today's scripture <clears throat> or even in this is because Jesus says that when you pray it's about a connection But yet, many of us have ritualistically used the Lord's prayer. Anyone ever feel like they've just recited this prayer ritualistically before? Or you've been at a funeral and they, they say it, or you've been in a church service, or they've just prayed it. Well, Jesus gives us an outline and not a ritual. So this prayer has no magical power to it. You see it in, like, um, scary movies where you have priests walking around reciting this prayer. Like, it has a power behind it. There's not. So, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus states we need to direct our prayers towards him as our Father in heaven. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So here's what we need to understand. He is our loving Father, and we can become his kids. That's the outline that he's giving right here our father see some people in this world cannot call him their father so jesus is emphasizing behind the scenes here when 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 you seek out the scripture a little bit more he's saying that there's this invitation for god to become our father amen this is paramount because if he's our father we are his children See, the religious leaders and people of the day would not have addressed God with the term Father. It wouldn't have happened. And actually, I've talked to many Christians who won't address God as Father either. See, I've heard many uh, people in their prayers, and I'm not judging or analyzing them, so please don't hear any criticism. But I asked a good friend once, Why do you always refer to um, God in your prayers as Lord God? It's not a bad thing. He is Lord God. And there's times that I've prayed Lord God. But why is it every time that you pray Lord God? And what they ended up saying is, I don't feel like I can connect with him at any more intimate level than that. See, the religious leaders of the day felt the same way. See, um, to them, God was almost unapproachable, so he would have been addressed as sovereign Lord out of their respect for his power. And what happens is when you have a sovereign Lord or Lord God, there's such this distance, which in reality there is, right? Right? But yet there isn't, because Jesus died on the cross so that that gap could be bridged so that he no longer has to be a sovereign Lord to us, but he can be an intimate father. Amen? So what Jesus is sharing is um, God is just not this powerhead in heaven that was far off that's watching to see what mistakes we make and to be critical against us. Jesus was saying something much different in the Lord's Prayer. He's telling us, he was telling them to say our Father because it's claiming many things. Number one, when he says, pray to our Father, Jesus is claiming that he is God's Son and that he has a close, re- close relationship with God. So Jesus is also telling those on the mountain that day that when they pray, they can be praying to a God in heaven that they can be close to as well, as close as a father. Amen? When you pray, if you're a born-again believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you get to pray to your Father in heaven, because the point that Jesus was getting at was this: is we all can become God's children. That is why Jesus came. Um, that is why Jesus came, right, so that we all may become sons and daughters. Galatians four, four through six says this. But when the set um, set time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Jesus came and paid our price of sin fully so that we can walk as sons and daughters. So what that means is when we pray, we get to speak straight to our Father in heaven. He no longer has to be a distant God that is far off. We don't need a mediator. Now we understand Jesus was the mediator, right? But we don't have to pray through Jesus to talk to God. We don't have to pray through a priest or talk to a priest. We get to speak directly to the heart of our Father in heaven. Amen? next point that Jesus is making is he is our king and we are his servants in verse 10 he says your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so God isn't only our father but he is also our king your kingdom so because he has a kingdom he is a king of it We must honor him as both, both as, our, both as our father, but yet also as our king. Essentially, because he is our father, we can walk secure in his acceptance. He's going to love us, and he cares for our deep needs. But because he's our king, we must also walk as his servant. Remember, he created us and he bought us with the, pro- with the price of his son. Therefore, because he bought us with the price of his son, we are his. We are to be his servants, which means we will engage the plans that he has for his kingdom. So when Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he isn't saying May God's kingdom come someday. He is saying that as servants, we should make it our, life's, our life desire to do his work and make his kingdom bigger today. We are to serve him as the king, and we're supposed to bring he- heaven to earth today, to further God's plan today. In our prayers, we should be asking about God's kingdom to be furthered, how we can be a part of it, and for those in the kingdom who are participating. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, but he invites us into participating in his kingdom coming. We've heard a lot over the past two years about serving, and about doing things. And here in the Lord's Prayer, we see it again, that we are his servants and he is our king. And in our prayers, we are to be asking him that his kingdom would come on earth and how we can participate in that. And finally, Jesus wants us to pray in a way that we recognize him as our loyal provider and we are dependent on him. So, so far, he is our father and we can become his kids. He is our king and we are his servants. And now, he is our loyal provider and we are dependent on him him. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is usually the most remembered part of the prayer, but we must notice the three requests Yet these three requests are not random. They are all connected to the peace of the prayer before this, your kingdom come and your will be done. Jesus is telling us to pray for what we need today. What needs do you have today to, to, to fulfill his mission on earth? That's how we're to pray. This prayer is connected, so Yes, we pray today for what we need to accomplish His will. If we look closely at the prayer, we should recognize that we are unable to do what God asks of us without His divine help. So we are to ask for these things today. Food for today, what does that mean? We're to ask for that. So essentially, the nourishment that will sustain us today. Today. Not tomorrow, not a week from now, but today. And see, when we pray for today, we not only live in the moment, but there's this trust and faith that he will provide. Here in America, many of us don't really need to worry about food or the nourishment for today. But it's even greater than that. It's, it's about the physical ability and endurance to follow his will today. God, give me the endurance, the stamina to follow you in everything that you want to do today. And may I do it. See, the things that we need to accomplish today, not 30 years from now. God has a plan for you today. And see, when, when, when we slow down and we connect with him and we say, God, Give me everything that I need to serve you today. It helps align our heart with his so that we're looking for those opportunities when we move throughout the day. See, usually what ends up happening is most Christians say, God, provide the billboard. We didn't pray for... everything that we needed for the day. We just said, God, provide the billboard, make the billboard come to me, and when the billboard comes, then I might ask you again if that, were, that was you. No, there's already this idea that God wants, the billboard's already been given, and the billboard is the Word of God. God wants us to bring heaven to earth, right, to partner with Him as servants. So that's already been written. It's already there. There's Already this assumption and knowledge that we are to each day bring honor and glory to him and to serve him as servants. So the billboard's already there. So what Jesus wants us to do is to pray for everything that we need this day to serve him. And when we pray those prayers, it gets our eyes looking for those opportunities. So he says, pray for um, the nourishment that you need for today. Then he says this, forgive us. Many things could be going on here. Jesus could be reminding the self-righteous crowd that God has a standard and we need forgiven. He could also be saying um, that the fruit of those who walk in a relationship with God, um, that a fruit of those who walk in a relationship with God is the ability to forgive others. And it could be God saying that our ability to walk in his freedom is when we forgive others. So the important piece is whether or not it's any of those, it's clear that he is letting us know that we need his forgiveness. And we need his help to forgive others. And he wants us to pray this daily. Jesus puts this in his prayer because forgiveness is paramount to his fathers, followers. And the final thing um, of the three things that he tells us is deliver us. Now remember, God sends us to places that are not of his kingdom. He sends light into the darkness. So he's telling us that we must pray for protection as we help heaven invade earth. There should be this understanding that each week God is going to send us as light into darkness. And not only that, there should be this expectation that each day God's going to use us as light in a dark world. So what he's saying is as we bring heaven to earth, as we help heaven invade earth through making disciples and being a light into a dark world, we need prayer and protection. It means that every day there's going to be a temptation and we are going to need God's help to stay the course. Every day there's going to be a temptation to yell at someone to lust, or covet, or lie, or cheat, or steal, or be lazy. But he's saying, pray a prayer that asks asks for protection. Deliver us from evil. So every day we must pray for protection. My last statement is this, is throughout the whole prayer, Do you realize that the prayer doesn't say, my Father in heaven? Give me my daily bread, and so on. No, what we see is, give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. See, the whole outline of the prayer that God has given us is about the body of Christ, and just not my specific needs. See, God wants us praying and interceding for everyone in here, for every believer across the world. It's not just selfish prayers for me and my kingdom. But when I pray, God, I pray that as Luke ministers to the least of these in Springfield, that you would protect him, that you would lead him not into temptation, that you would keep him on course. Father, that you would give him his daily needs today. Because I'll tell you what, If um, I won the mega-billion and I don't even play it, right, if I won that, most of my needs would probably go away, right? And I'm set. I can just take a private jet every day back and forth to Florida so God doesn't have to bring the ocean up here to Ohio, right? I can fly back and forth in the sun and whatever, no worry about um, anything really. See, most of people's worries often comes down to finances and money and things that they covet or desire. And there's such this humility and um, grace and growth that happens when we just become dependent on Christ each day. So we pray that God would meet Luke's needs today. And if Luke wakes up tomorrow, and if the body wakes up tomorrow, God, meet Bob's needs. Meet our needs today. Give us boldness in the church. Give us strength. Lead us not into temptation. Protect us from the schemes of the enemy. But prayer is about connecting with the heart of God. So, uh, many of you guys are familiar with prayer acronyms. I think they're a useful resource. They should never become a checklist, right? Prayer acronyms are not checklists, but they should be used to connect and get away with God. So, I encourage you to write these things down, put them in your phone, but there's a prayer acronym Pray. The P stands for praise. So when we pray, we are to praise God. We're to focus our hearts, our minds, and our being on Jesus and let him know how worthy he is. So that's the P. So when you, when you get, I guess, why do we have these acronyms? Because when you're frustrated and you're overwhelmed by the world and your heart just doesn't seem to be able to slow down, you're like, I don't even know how to pray, then you can remember the acronym PRAY. So we're to praise Him. We are to repent. So confess our sins, our issues, and turn from them, turn away from them. We are to ask God tells us to ask for his leading, his guiding, his help, and his protection. And then we are to yield. The very idea of prayer is a posture of letting God know that he is in charge. Therefore, throughout our day and prayers, we are to yield to him. Now, if you don't like The pray acronym. There's one other ones that many might use, is the acronym, ACTS. A C T S. So the A is adoration. Give God praise. So when you get away, give Him praise. God, this world is so big. Our body has these little. Cells within them that when you cut your hand, when you cut your foot, we have these cells that come together and sew it back together. I feel like I'm on the magic school bus, right? Think about that. Our body sews itself back together. Unbelievable, isn't it? That God who created us is worthy to be praised. So to show adoration. C, confession. Confess our sins to God. T, thanksgiving. Give God thanks for his grace, his mercy, and his favor. And then finally, the S, supplication bring your petitions to Him and your requests. So I want to give you a challenge. One week starting today. Set aside time. Not five minutes, not ten minutes, not seven minutes, not an hour. Set aside aside time each day Without an agenda or without a time frame. Because uh, it's good to have a discipline. I'm going to wake up 15 minutes early or I'm going to stay up 15 minutes later. No, just set aside time each day to where maybe you're there for five minutes connecting with the heart of God or maybe you're there for an hour. But for the next week, for the next week, each day, find time to connect with Him, to get away from the distractions. So, put your phone up, put the TV up, right? Close the door. Don't worry about finances. Or if you're worrying about finances, in your prayer, say, God, I can't even connect with you right now or slow my heart down because I'm worrying about my finances. I'm frustrated about my family. I'm tired of the virus, and spend time with him, connecting with his heart. God, lead me not into temptation. Protect me from this, or protect us from the schemes of the enemy. Speak to my heart and let me connect with you. Because I I think what's important is um, you could ask me, um, what's the last thing that Macy asked me to do? You could ask me what's, um, what's going on in Macy's heart, and I could share that. I think a mark of a true believer is we should be able to ask at any moment, what's the heart of God spoken to you this week? Like, well, how do you hear him? Trust me, if you get away with him each day, you're gonna hear his voice. I, c- I can't tell you, like, put your hand on the Bible, and your foot, you know, hear, and then you're going to hear the voice of God. That's not how it works. Hearing the voice of God means you're just going to get away, and he's going to speak to you. And it's always louder than an audible voice. So connect with him this week. Because I do believe that a mark of a true believer should be able to speak to something that God has spoken to them. Amen? You're like, so are you telling me if I've never heard God's voice that I'm not a Christian and I'm not saved? I'm not saying that. What I might be saying is maybe, maybe we haven't prioritized getting away, uh, setting aside distractions to spend time with his heart so that we can hear him. So in our leadership meetings, what we are going to do moving forward is we're going to ask, and we've been asking last week or this week we asked, how have you connected with the heart of God this week? What's God saying to you? Now, some things shouldn't be spoken, some things, um, are just a secret between you and God. But God wants to speak to you because you are his children. My dad does not lack the um, desire to give me advice. Does any dad lack the desire to give their children advice? No, they just don't. Unsolicited love and care And you know what, I often call my dad because I want his advice, even if I know what I'm gonna do, right? Our Father in heaven wants to give us advice, wants to speak to us and connect with us. It's our job to open up that door when he knocks, amen? So what I wanna try to do is, because there's this flow of church life that you open up with prayer, you close with prayer, Sometimes, um, as a, just a confession is, it's not that my heart's intention is to babble, but sometimes it's just babbling because of the religiosity of what a church service should look like, right? He said, well, we gotta pray, so now I'm just gonna pray and I'm gonna recap the sermon as I pray, right? People do that. Let's just slow down, <clears throat> let's just slow down for a minute. and Let's just try to connect with the heart of God as we pray. um, Yeah, I'm not gonna just pray a religious prayer, I'm gonna just try to slow down and connect with him. And we're gonna try to do the same thing. So I'm not sure what it's gonna look like, but um, Father, I've been so distracted, so um, I ask that you'd help us shut those doors here in this moment that we would hear from you, that we would um, connect our hearts with you. Pray that you would speak to us very clearly right now. Just really feel like um, god's saying that there's so much hope in him there's hope in this generation right now there's hope in the world but the hope is found in him i also felt like god was saying that just very specifically to someone in here today um, just very pinpointed that he's gonna uh, restore the years that the locusts have eaten Father, I pray that you would forgive us where we have invited in fear and worry and that we have worshipped fear and worry over you and your promises. Forgive us where we have not prioritized you out of our first fruits. Father, forgive our nation where we have prioritized money and evil. Father, I pray that you would forgive the church where we have been more interested in serving ourselves than we have been serving you. Where we have forsaked coming together, forsaken coming together, to worship you, to pray, to prioritize being um, in one body together. I ask that you would increase yourself with us this week. That you restore the hope, hope for our futures, Father. pray that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy this week. Father, even, even as we leave church today, that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy, that you would reveal the enemy's um, evil plans against us. Father, I pray for those right now who are financially um, going through it, that you would meet their needs today. Father, that you would supernaturally, or even just through the body of Christ, meet their needs. Father, I pray for boldness, for pastors around the world, for your sons and daughters, for your church to live into Sexual purity. Father, I pray that your truth would set people free. always get conflicted in these moments, but I often remember that strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. So sometimes they're awkward, but um, Father, um, we just want to wait on you. I just feel like I need to declare that uh, we can smile and be happy again. So, Father, over Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship, over this community, even over America, Father, I declare that we can be happy again. That people can smile and have true contentment. Hope for the future. Father, you are holy and you are set apart. I'm just kind of conflicted. Is there anyone in here with a burning word, not one that they're processing, but something burning in them that they just feel like they have to share? Okay, well, um, God help us today. I ask that you would help us and lead us to connect with you. I pray that as you're knocking on our doors, the doors of our hearts, that we would recognize it, that we would hear it, and we would open it up today. May we connect with you. May we think about the invitation of prayer to connect with you. In Jesus' name, Amen.